0: The Stalk Talks podcast brings you intelligent discussions of topical issues inspired by the international city of peace and justice.
1: I think we all know what we need to do.
2: Problems, they come like a costume. They
1: fit you. Remove our inner critic and open our inner, you know, curiosity. eh? You know, nothing speaks louder than money. Walk in, slam your
0: fist on the table, say.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We have to work together. Something has to change.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Stalk Talks.
1: I'm Zoe. And I'm Tom. This week we are covering the sparkling topic of cider with an organization that specializes in this very special beverage. And it is called Cider Cider. Now, the first apple presses were in fact reworked olive presses and they were used by the ancient Romans. The very first apples come from Kazakhstan, which is also the site of the original Garden of Eden. And speaking on the topic of the Garden of Eden,
0: the apple is well known for being the forbidden fruit. And that raises the question whether any beverages created from this magical fruit should also be considered a forbidden
1: drink. Did you know that there are over 10,000 varieties of apples? As a result, cider is found on menus across the globe all the way from India and Canada to Australia and back to Finland and Germany and France. And of course, for the wine lovers among us, heritage cider is made with cider-specific apples. So in that way, it is like wine, the apples matter.
0: That's right, Zoe. And to really explore this beverages and the possibilities it has for beating out the all-time Dutch favorite of Het Beertje, as they say, uh, we are talking to Wouter Bell, the founder and owner of Cider Cider. Welcome, Wouter. Thank you for joining us. Sure, no problem.
2: I always love, love to talk about ciders and drink a few as well. Let's first talk about it. It's still early, so... Uh
1: talking first okay so so perhaps valta that we can start just with a simple question why do you think cider is so popular what makes it so popular for you what inspired you to start this initiative and do you think it will ever replace beer here in the netherlands
2: well that's a very good question i actually i actually started with importing cider because it, it wasn't very popular and i still think there's like A world to win. The thing is with cider that is actually, that keeps it interesting for me as well. I started in 2009, so it's been a few years already, but there is so much variation in in taste, whether it's sparkling or not. It can be sweet, it can be dry, it can be Funky, like barnyard funky that you you smell and you think, hmm, okay, what's this? Uh, But it can be awesome in that sense and it can be really clear and clean like a wine and it can be so many things and that's actually... uh, I mean, people just don't know that much about it, but it is a very wide category that makes it really sort of hard to understand. And I think that makes it underestimated, actually. And we're trying really hard with the assortment that we have. We try to make that really wide. And we're also working on a new bar where people can actually come in and tasting. Uh, we really try to teach people about what cider is and how wide it is and what it can be. But will it ever replace the beer? Mm. Um, would be nice. But I, I, I rather see it as sort of an extra. It's just an extra thing. You have beer, you have wine. Ciders. Absolutely. And there are some reasons for people that can't handle beer because of the gluten. For them, it, cider can be very interesting because it's more or less the same alcohol percentage. So you can drink along with your friends. And well, just for the taste and the sheer difference, uh, it can be really
0: interesting. Uh,
1: indeed. I think apples are gluten-free, are they not?
0: They are, Yes. Maybe one quick question before we move on, Valtteri. You said, well, you started with importing, but where did your relationship with cider start?
2: I really like it myself, obviously. That's why otherwise you don't start with it, I guess. But we used to go to France on holidays uh, and, you know, you can get cider on every corner of the street there from a little farm shop. So I always had good memories. And then if I came back home, there was never any decent cider available or it was really cheap and just terrible or maybe some really expensive bottles. And then I thought, well, let's try to import myself. And from there on, sort of started out as a hobby. Obviously, I didn't think of, of it like that then, but it was really serious. Uh, in the end, it was really more a hobby, but it's grown out to uh, be a, a very nice company. And even then, I, I was only familiar with the French ciders. After that, I discovered the rest of the world. I'm quite sure that I haven't, I have only tasted like a tiny bit of what is available and what can be done with ciders. So uh, there's still, for me, even for me, there's still so much to discover. So that uh, that makes it what well, makes it interesting and keeps it interesting as well.
0: And I think what is ex- exciting, you touched upon it earlier when you said, well, there's this this French market where you can get it on every corner shop, and here in the Netherlands, it, like you said, it's not as well known. We we saw examples of Heineken, who had, for example, launched a few cider type brands, for example, Jills in 2007, sort of to test the waters to see if the Dutch market is ready for more ciders to pop up. Do you think that the Dutch market is now ready for the large scale import and consumption of cider? Well, I've, I've, I think it's
2: getting ready. It's getting better every year. It, we see it growing. But I don't expect any big booms like you had with a um, gin or with Prosecco that you have. Like in one or two years, you have very steep lineup of sales. I, I, I don't really expect that. I mean, obviously, when I started, I thought that. I was hoping probably that that would happen. But because like cider is quite complex for a lot of people, and it's really hard if you order a cider it's because people have very little knowledge of it they have a hard time judging what they might get so it will be really difficult to scale up like enormously i mean one one the production isn't there so and the other thing is i think like organic growth and just step by step makes more sense for a product like that so i decided that i'm happy with just the the small step but you see it even with heineken i mean they put millions and millions in it and they haven't Really gotten it any further than? Obviously, they're selling more than I am. Uh, don't get me wrong, but but even they they haven't with all the millions that they put in and all the products they put on the market and got off again you know even they didn't sort of break it into the market i mean it's still you have to look for it and sometimes it's at the beer section sometimes it's at the wine section you know it's still a bit of it should have its own shelf in the supermarket i think that is when we can say cider is established
1: why has heineken as you say they've, they've invested millions but why is it that they haven't managed to find yeah a decent widely drinkable cider to- to get behind? I mean, is it that difficult?
2: Well, I think the market is not used to cider, so you have to teach people about cider. I think they put a lot of effort in that. They actually had general commercials, not even putting out like a real brand, but general commercials about what cider is. And obviously, they, are, they had a whole lovely story about apples being crushed and fermented. And obviously, their cider is not made like that. I mean, what they make is more like an apple hard seltzer. So that that's what they make, in my opinion. And obviously, they do own Strongbow as well, which in the right recipe can be an okay yeah. cider, not my favorite, but it can be... Drinkable. Drinkable. <laughs> so it, it can be that, but it's... I think they, they're too margin-driven. And in that sense, you know, they just wanted to take it on from the easy side. So the sweet, I don't know whether that market is really growing or people grow out of that.
0: One quick question that I want to ask you because we've heard a number of times you mentioning, well, people don't have enough knowledge, they don't know enough about ciders. So what specific knowledge is it that people are missing? Like what is it about ciders that we don't know that would actually Encourage us to drink it more.
2: I, th- I think like the, it's just general knowing the flavors, knowing the kind of flavors that it come in. If you are used to like the sweet ciders and you order a cider in a bar and you don't know the brand, so you just think you hey I want a cider, let's get it, and it turns out to be like a very funky dry cider, then you will be disappointed. And the same the other way, if you want to have something dry and you order a cider and it's really terribly sort of sweet, so people. There are not that many known brands yet that people can trust and they know what they're getting. Every bar has like a Pilsner defining they easy easygoing. Everybody sort of likes that kind of beer. And then they have rows and rows of specialty beers if you want something special. And that's with cider, you actually need that good quality, but really uh, a cider that everybody can enjoy. So not too dry, not too sweet, not too bitter, not too acidic in the middle.
0: Like wine, in that sense. Everybody has knows somewhat about the grapes. They have the house wine that is easily drinkable. And then there are special varieties if you want to taste. And there you need the advice maybe from an expert to help guide you.
2: But it's also if you see, you know, wines, they always have... Like you say, they have the house wines and they have a few other wines. With cider, they tend to have just one or two. So if you don't have that range or if you just have one cider and that's not the cider you like, you're not going to drink cider. Or you might be disappointed in cider. And if you don't know that there's way more out there.
1: Now, you've mentioned earlier, Wouter, that, yeah, indeed, cider can is normally we think of cider and apples. But of course, you also get cider made from pears. And and you mentioned to us that, in fact, in the Netherlands, they grow more pears than apples. Do you think perhaps pear cider might, might take off here rather than the apple variety? And also, are there other fruits that might be utilized for future cider that might become popular?
2: Well, it depends a bit on what your definition of cider is. Obviously, what you can put in a cider. We tend to see the apple cider, just pure apple. Uh, so the hardcore cider fanatics think that is cider. Uh, and then most of the time for pear cider, there's another name. Uh, like you have poire in, in French and perry in, uh, in the UK or pear cider if you use common uh, pears for it instead of uh, perry pears. So there's, there's usually another term for it. But I think those are the two main categories of fruit. We see a lot of additions of other fruits. Like uh, we, for instance, have a cider made with passion fruit and Madame Jeanette pepper. Really cool combination, but there's only like 10% passion fruit in there.
0: So, so when do they become cocktails? So when is it cider and when do they sort of transition into like completely different beverages?
2: That's a really good question. What is a cider precisely? And there are, there are people that not everywhere it's really put into the law. For instance, like wine is really clear. You can only add grapes to it. It should be grapes, otherwise, it's like a food wine. But with the cider, you can, uh, it, it is a very free category. And I think for me, that really makes the category more interesting, even more complex. But you can do all the crazy things that you do with craft beers, for instance, so adding other ingredients or barrel aging, or you can do so many other things. Mm. Uh, so for me, that makes it
0: really an interesting drink, and you can have so many variables so maybe that's a good question which which path would you look to go down to like the explorative path with all these strange recipes or trying to like the common like the common route where the people or maybe both at the same time
2: well the, the thing is obviously i like it all that is uh, <laughs> the big issue well we're actually making cider since a few years now ourselves uh, so we ramped up production last year we're not huge yet or but we do some nice volume and we have sort of two lines. So one is more adding ingredients like more crafty style of cider with the Madame Jeanette and the the passion fruit. And we also have a hop cider, for instance. And the other ranges that we're having that we actually tend to like more is uh, the natural style, so totally natural fermented in the style of the natural wine. So no addition of sulfides, no addition of yeast, so just like the, let nature do do its work, you need specific apple varieties. Most of the older varieties are quite well suited because they have a bit more tannins, they have a bit more body. In uh, in autumn, we go we, we're picking some old orchards to get the fruit. But it's hard to get big volumes. But we really enjoy sort of having the whole natural process.
0: Speaking about processes, um, one of the processes we saw on your website as well is that you do ice cider, and it's a different fermentation process. So maybe you could tell us a bit more about that. But perhaps you first need to very quickly explain what the normal process of cider looks like before diving into this special one.
2: Yeah, if if you just make plain not-too-crazy cider, then it's actually very much like wine. So you get the apples, press them, and then the juice you can have fermented, you can have it, you can add yeast, you can have a natural fermentation by yeast that is available just everywhere around us. And then after a while, there's obviously time to bottle. You can bottle it with, like, for instance, sugar to get your sparkle. You can also pressurize it in the tank and then bottle it. Or we have done a few, like a champagne-style method, so, where we degorge, so you get the sediment out. So, there are a lot of ways to make it, but it is just mainly getting the fruit, pressing it, and fermenting that juice, and then bottling it. And you can do that like in a million different sort of variations. Uh, so that is basically the, the the normal process, and if you do an ice cider, that's very interesting, it's very sort of unknown, even more unknown than normal cider. And you get the, the fruits, you, you either freeze the fruit or the juice, you can do both, and what you get then, if you press that, then you get a very concentrated uh, yeah, cider or apple juice. And it it has very little nutrients, so the fermentation is really slow. Uh, So you let that ferment, and then you get a very nice, intense, delicate uh, cider that you can use mainly. It's quite sweet still, so it's mainly used for desserts, uh, really special occasions.
1: Does it have a higher alcohol content as a result?
2: Uh, It does. Yeah, you have more sugar, or you have more concentration of sugar, because what you do actually with the freezing is you get part of the water out. Yeah. So you don't get the flavor out, but you mm. get part of the water out. So you just get a concentration of uh, flavor and sugar, obviously. So they usually end up 10%, 11% most of the time. Wow. And a regular cider is around 5 well, depending on where it comes from.
1: Yes, so we've started on this, but I feel like there's there's probably a lot more. So maybe for our listeners, it would be interesting if you could tell us a little bit about some of your favorite up-and-coming ciders, about uh, maybe particular regions, either here in the Netherlands or, or further abroad, that are especially promising, perhaps, in terms of, of cider and cider making.
2: Yeah, what, I, uh, what are a few things that are going on? Like America has been booming the last couple of like 10 years there they, they've been ahead with the the whole uh, craft beer market obviously and after craft beer market discovered cider again cider was like the choice of like the pilgrims in the old days because it was easier you didn't have to do too much uh, for an apple tree it was yeah. and then you know come to harvest it every year and that that was it and after prohibition they cut down all the trees and put grain in so then they had more grain to beers so that's why they got onto the beers but they totally rediscovered discovered that but uh, so that's been really interesting they do a lot of the, the crafty stuff so adding flavors coming up with crazy styles and sometimes really crazy ciders as well crazy flavors but there are some really good examples what i like recently because like france made me aware of cider so i i've always been a big fan of them but they were always lagging behind and recently you see a lot more young people coming into the trade and then starting it up, having a different mindset. They still produce very much traditionally, but they look more at barrel aging and maybe adding like hops. But they're, they're, they're using the, the good fruit that their like ancestors planted, like the old high stem trees you, you sort of plant for the next generation. It takes at least 10 years to get a decent harvest out of them. And even for the pear trees, it can take like 25 years to get a good harvest. So, you know, you don't really plant that to get sort of crop next year. So they have a really good and awesome fruit. And if you treat it, in an interesting way and maybe a champagne style and there are a lot of cool things coming off that. Spain is developing very much as well, the traditional ones are a bit more acidic but they go very well if you have, either have really nice weather like it is now or if you have some more fatty food that is Mm -hmm. awesome so it, it breaks the fattiness.
1: I've had some, I think, some good ciders from, is it Asturias? Yes, mainly
2: Asturias, but also the Basque Country and a bit in uh, Galicia. So the northern part, top northern part of Spain that is actually really green instead of really hot and scorchy, like the south. But they grow apples there and it's an amazing place and their culture is is really well established around cider. Really cool. But you see more modern things coming up, like uh, cider vermouth, for instance, but also uh, like champagne style methods. And one of our producers just, we even don't have it in yet, but they came out with an alcohol free one. So there's a lot of things happening and I'm really curious what else comes out of that.
0: There's a lot of cider knowledge waiting for us. Yeah, there
2: are way more interesting countries uh, to tell you about, about it.
0: Yes. But that's that's why you do the tastings, right? Yeah, that's yeah. That, you, do well, well, absolutely. you can tell people absolutely. about that. You know, one of my favorite takeaways from this was as well as so you said, well, there's a the benefit of drinking cider is also there's a climate benefit. Because you said, well, in America, they cut down all the trees to make room for a hop in that sense. Drinking cider has a very positive climate impact because we'll have to plant trees like apple trees and apple orchards to uh, be able to enjoy the cider.
2: It really can help cool down the earth to plant a bit more trees. So I think that makes it makes a lot of sense. Less wine, less beer and more cider. Yeah. Sure.
0: <laughs> so maybe a final question to you, Wouter, is you said, well, it's difficult for a lot of people to find the ciders or if they are interested, where, where did they can find the good ones? And what would you recommend? Where, where can they find the ciders if they're looking for them?
2: Well, obviously come to visit us. I, I mean, naturally, we're, naturally we're obviously we're an importer, but we also have a, a web shop and normally we do tastings and we make our own ciders, but there are more importers as well. You know, we're quite friendly in the business. So, uh, you know, we have to help each other out so if you just look on search for cider and online Google's your best friend and then skip all the terrible heineken stuff find importers that do really cool stuff uh, but if you really want to have more and discover more and more countries then most of the time one of the cider importers is a is a good place to start
1: would you recommend trying it yourself at home
2: What I I should do is go to a specialist and then let them advise you on, you know, tell them what you like, what kind of style, and then let them give you an advice of what siders might be suitable for you. It's actually funny. We do a lot. Obviously, on the website, we have descriptions, but we hardly ever get a call from somebody who's on the website and asking about advice. Which I think they should do a bit more, but that's why we have we have a small shop here on Fridays and Saturdays. Now you can just have a look around and we can buy stuff. That's the best place to start. And then yeah. I always tell people, please remember what you had and what you thought of it. And then if you come back next time or give a call, if you want to order online, we can just help you out with saying, oh, if you like that, then you might like that as well. So we can actually help people get to discover the Ciders. A
0: regular appointment with the Cider Consultant. Just put it on your agenda
2: monthly. and then-
1: Sounds good. As we coming out of Corona, there'll be more opportunities, as you say, for people to to visit perhaps your shop or to try a tasting and i do think there's no replacement for actually tasting the cider
2: no i i, I totally agree that we used to have a, a shop with a bar attached to it and i think that the value of that is really you know so big so we're we're now looking into opening a new cider bar it won't have a shop attached but then you still can at least taste a bit more ciders and get to know a bit more about cider and, and sounds you know,
1: good Time flies. Uh, As always, I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today, Walter, on Stalk Talks. I think we all feel, as always, that there's a lot more that we can learn about cider. For our listeners, if you're now curious about cider, the Cider Cider website is uh, very straightforward, www.cidercider.com. .nl, uh, so that might be your first stop. Yeah, thank you, Wouter, so much for joining us today.
2: Yeah, uh, it was it was my pleasure, and like I said, there's tons more to tell. So if you you'll have my number, so uh, don't hesitate. That's always
0: good. It's always good to have the number of someone who sells cider.
1: I completely agree.
2: <laughs> or come over and get some drinks. That might be good as well. So maybe we can do it next time. We can do it live. And then
0: I, I feel that it's not just the cider brewing, but the ideas here as well. That's a, that's a good sign.
2: Cider is quite helping with that to <laughs> remain uh, keep creative.
0: We might just take you up on that. And uh, in the meantime, we will say uh, thank you to everyone for tuning in to another episode. Be sure to check out previous episodes on our anchor and you can always follow us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and you can always watch the full unedited interviews with Wouter and previous guests that we had on our YouTube channel called Stock Talks. Thank you for stalking with us again this week, and we look forward to welcoming you back in the next.